Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, it's Nikki and Gut Plus Science Healthcare Today has a disruptor innovator who gets pretty fired up about breaking the cycle of toxic leadership in the healthcare industry. My guest, Dr. Dan Weberg, is a nurse leader and expert in human-centered patient design. He authored a first book of its kind titled Evidence-Based Innovation Leadership for Health Professionals. You can find that online. Definitely advise you to pick it up today. Dan Weberg is the head of clinical innovation at Trusted Health. Let's get straight to a passion subject of Dan's. Here we go. All right, it's Nikki, and today I'm here with Dan Weberg to talk about maybe a not-so-fun topic, but a crucial one, toxic leadership. It happens more often than we want, and most of the time we are ill-equipped to handle this type of challenge, and it grows into something powerfully harmful. So let's hit it on the head today with Dan. Dan, talk to us about the scope of the problem to get started. Like, How often are you experiencing toxic leadership as the core problem to healthcare growth and sustainability? Toxic leadership is, um, it's hard to measure because I think in general, leadership isn't well documented or or researched as far as its impact to people. Um, But there's one couple, actually a couple studies that say about 63% of nurses, and you can extrapolate that to the healthcare team in general, experiences, you know, stress and burnout related to leadership. And so it's quite a problem and uh, it goes unaddressed and it and we're hearing more and more about burnout now um, in the last couple of years and leadership has a direct impact on that and I think we need to shed light on the the impact of that yeah well I'm glad that you brought up burnout so early in the show because I want to hit that on the head for sure it's a big problem and a very a big growing problem um, and this show is here to fight that like we're here to share stories and tips and tools and, you know, experiences to really help that, especially in this sub-series for healthcare. Before we go there, though, Dan, can you give us some examples of poor leadership behaviors that are common in healthcare organizations? Yeah, you can kind of think about it in three big buckets. So, uh, and this this is, this, you know, there's toxic leadership behaviors in these buckets and there's high-performing leadership behaviors in these buckets. So the first bucket is around communication and information sharing. So for a toxic leader, a toxic leader wants to own all the information. They keep it secret. They keep it on a need-to-know basis. They send excessive emails or have meetings and phone calls, but there's never really actionable goals around that. It's like meeting to meet and to spout off and, and kind of have a have a burning platform rather than achieve uh, an outcome uh, they frequently repeat themselves or they forget what they're there for it kind of this dysfunctional communication pattern is really uh, a toxic behavior and what that does is it it creates information gaps within uh, the team and so when there's gaps in information in in teams uh, people human nature is to fill in those gaps and what usually happens is people fill in those gaps with rumors and assumptions and other things and so it creates this misinformation kind of wheel that spins teams out into making decisions based on really horrible information because the toxic leader wants to have control of that and and that's a way to kind of create this chaos whether it's intentional or unintentional on the high performing side there would be transparent information there would be the why behind we need you know why we need to know these things and and even sharing oversharing of information so that people could process it and, and make decisions and provide input rather than that being housed within a single person like the leader the high performing leader also understands that 
communication isn't always in these formal emails and uh, meetings and things, but really those daily interactions with team members is really a chance to share information and, and pivot things and actually correct and, and really push things forward, even in those micro interactions, like saying hi in the morning and having that informal coffee chat. Those are things that high-performing leaders really use and leverage to move the team forward. In the second bucket, it's really around interactions. So how do they treat other people um, and how do they interact with them over time? In general, a toxic leader would be very nervous around people. They're very hard to get a hold of or meet with. They're, they're always, quote unquote, busy. When they get when people do speak up to those leaders, uh, they get shot down or corrected very quickly. So it's not a safe place to, to speak up or, or share uh, intention with those leaders. And they like to point out mistakes rather than successes. In a high-performing culture uh, around interactions, it's always about those micro-interactions again. It's, it's the, daily, the daily actions, the daily visibility, the being out there and talking with people and networking and building those relationships is really a high-performing behavior. And then the third bucket is really around their work style. And so a toxic leader has a very dysfunctional work style where they have in, in groups and out groups, and that shifts over time. So you never really know where you stand. Um, sometimes they're very, you're, you're kind of in the inside, and then the next day they're, they're frustrated with you, or they send an email that's really like reprimanding kind of that transactional leadership style. Leaders uh, are not present in the work environment, and they're very short-tempered. And so they'll get frustrated when they're exposed. Uh, when, when there's a shortcoming, they get frustrated around that rather than, be, than being transparent and vulnerable around it. In a high-performing leader in the work style, they really promote self-care for the team. They take care of themselves as well. Um, they're visible, whether that's through uh, open communication channels or physically being visible with their teams. There's always ongoing positive kind of appreciative leadership and positive reinforcement. And crisis is the exception, not the norm. And in a toxic leadership environment, there's always a crisis, whether it's last minute deadlines that you know should have been dealt with months ago, or there's some urgent thing that the leader wants to feel important about. And so they rally their people around to get this thing done so the leader can feel like they're they're leading. That's a really toxic behavior as well. So these leadership behavior problems can be as impactful as medical errors, right? I heard you say this in a prior conversation, so I'd love for you to talk just a little bit more about that. In my PhD program back in 2009, I did an evidence review paper, and I looked at leadership behaviors and its impact on burnout specifically. And as I was reading through that literature, obviously kind of poor leadership leads to burnout. That's kind of an obvious connection there. But what I found underlying that literature too was that patient mortality increased and patient morbidity increased. And, and so did errors. And it was directly tied back to this idea of a transactional toxic leader, one that you know holds a carrot out for good behavior and a stick when there's bad behavior. And they were showing that patients were dying more on floors that were led by toxic leaders. They were showing burnout in staff and staff would make medical errors because they were tired or they were distracted by the drama rather than focused on the, the work at hand. And so, but it's something that we don't put into our quality metrics. We can measure falls and we can measure pressure ulcers and all those things that we have for quality metrics. And we have whole entire teams and departments focused on this quality and we don't do enough around leadership. You know, we, we, you would never tell a nurse or a physician to say, if there was a medical error, well, that's just how they are. They're, that's just how they practice. You know, we just got to let them be them that, you know, you just got to get to know them. 
But we do that around leadership all the time. When there's a poor leader or a poor leadership behavior, we're like, oh, that's just how they are. You know, it's fine. You know, you just got to get to know them. And the impact is the same. So I think we need to start treating toxic leadership as a quality indicator. And there's ways to coach people out of that. Or if it's uncoachable, we need to remove that quality issue, that quality leader out because it is, it's literally killing patients and it's burning out and even you know, leading to bad outcomes with, with staff, including suicide. Thanks for um, earlier categorizing the toxic behaviors into these three buckets and can, giving some illustration around that. You know, many of them can be unintentional, but unintentional doesn't mean it's excused. I'd love for you to talk about unintentional versus intentional toxic behavior and how to approach it and just you know, kind of go into that for a few minutes. The unintentional side is a symptom of the fact that we don't train and treat leadership as a, as a practice like we do nursing, medicine, you know, other professions, right? So, you know, there's very intentional training to become a clinician, but there's very little intentional training to become a leader. And, and healthcare is really bad at this. They tend to promote people who are really good clinicians into leadership roles because they're good clinicians. But leadership behaviors and competencies are very different than being a really great bedside clinician. And so I think, you know, so what happens there is people have to fumble their way through leading and they kind of default into a couple behaviors. One, they lead like they parent. Um, and when you're working with knowledge workers, you know, highly educated people that that know their work, that's a really poor way to lead. There's a lot of evidence around how that creates uh, frustrations and, and isn't effective. It, it leads to burnout as well. Or they follow um, someone that they've seen in movies even, or in, in, their, like, in their life, their pop culture life about leaders. And, and movies like to portray like this really strong, directive kind of leadership behavior as being really successful. But the evidence doesn't always show that that's effective either. And so I think when you don't have this intentional leadership training, you default to these assumptions, and these assumptions aren't actually backed by any evidence. And so people have these unintentional consequences, and then they get they they ride the emotion of you know it's exciting to have control or to solve that problem all the time or be the person that people come to uh, with the answer. But over time, that actually leads to a, a, a dysfunctional team. And so that's kind of the unintentional side. So you can coach out of that, but, you know, there's, th that's a, a kind of a lack of awareness and um, there's, there's ways to get executive coaches on that. There's leadership programs or development things that, that you can do to coach people out of that. The intentional toxic leadership is really where you got to kind of get rid of people because that's where it's, it's this kind of focus on power and control. And that can be for a variety of reasons. It, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be this, you know, this evil person behind it, but, th but there is some kind of draw to having control and power over a group. And so in those situations, it's hard to coach out of that because it's, it's more of a, a focus on, I need to have this because this is what I think leadership is. And uh, you don't need to tell me what's better. I, I know this because I've been a leader. I'm a vice president. I'm a whatever. And that's, that's the one that's really hard to coach. And so there, there's some tactics you can use to try and move the ball along there. But really, that intentional leadership is one that I think system leaders really need to watch out for and remove very quickly. There's a saying that I've heard for many years, and at first I didn't really know how it played out in real life. And then over time, I've seen it happen many times. It's uh, hire slow, fire fast. And this is a great example of, you know, when you're intentionally toxic in your leadership, 
it's a great example of where to cut that quickly <laughs> as soon as you see it, because it's probably not going to be a, um, a turnaround. <laughs> so Dan, as I said earlier, we're on a mission to fight burnout with this show. Talk about how toxic leadership and burnout intersect and how high of a correlation there is there. I think it's like a 95% confidence level that they're, they correlate. So I and, and and I say that because I've I've studied this and I've been I've experienced toxic leadership. I I've lived almost two years under a, a leader that was really dysfunctional and probably on the unintentional side, but really frustrating to be around. And I I noticed in myself I started reflecting. That's why I started writing about this and and book chapters and articles and things because I noticed how it impacted my mental health, my physical health, and my work. And, and even like my outlook on like my career, it was just, it, it's so impactful and we don't give enough language to it. And so my mission is to figure out like, how do we give language to burnout instead of just saying I'm burned out? Like, how do you describe that? What are the behaviors? What are the things that we can do and, and describe so that we can fix it? And the same with leadership. What does toxic leadership look like so that we can start describing it, calling it out and fixing it? But it 100% leads to burnout. And it, it's really unacceptable, especially with healthcare workers. Like we can't have healthy, we can't help patients be healthy if we don't have a healthy culture in which to deliver that care. And so it's just a huge issue that right now we just need to give language to. Let's start with that, actually. So let's start on the side of as a leader, what signs am I looking for that may be indicators that my people are burning out or a person on my team is burning out? Well, there's some interesting data around the consequences of toxic leadership. And so I'll, I'll kind of read off some stats here and we can kind of talk about how that how you could find that in a uh, in a team. So on the individual level, about 12% of victims quit uh, who experience toxic leadership. So if you have several people leaving a team that, you know, in, in rapid succession or, or close together, I think that's an indicator that there could be some leadership issues there, especially if they're very high performing people and they, they're leaving and saying, well, I, you know, I just wanted a change. You, you might want to dig into a why with an exit interview, possibly. Uh, 48% of people uh, will decrease their work effort. And so if you see teams become less efficient, more disconnected, that might be a sign. 63% of people lose time avoiding that toxic person. So if you see people declining meeting invites or, you know, having to go get coffee when they know that leader is going to be around on the on the unit or on the floor and the on the team, that might be a sign. And then 68% reported that their individual performance declined. And so, it, you know, these are the people that um, just aren't doing the same work that they're normally doing and, and kind of disconnecting from it. On the team level, on the system level, you know, 80% of people report stress. So if there's more stress in the team, if you can kind of feel that tension all the time, that, that's a symptom. 78% uh, reported decreased organizational commitment. And so, you know, those are people that no longer care about the, the organization and are kind of like, whatever, you know, screw that place. I don't want to, uh, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And when before they may have been very mission driven with the organization and then just high turnover rates and, and really increased errors uh, are also a symptom. So there's not one behavior that you can kind of point out, but if you can see these kind of system changes within a team, you may want to dig deeper and see if leadership might be the trigger. Yeah. And like you, I've had that experience. Um, fortunately, I didn't let it go on for too long and made a change in my life. But um, just thinking through like how that showed up for me and I've heard different 
you know, read studies and heard different people say this, but um, I got quiet. You know, I would just, I'm a very outgoing, involved person. And I pulled back and I was just like, you know what? It's not even worth it. Not even, I'm not speaking up much anymore. I'm a very high energy person. And so the change in energy level definitely was there. And then, you know, not participating in extra stuff, you know, like team stuff and, you know, the, the gatherings and things like that, really pulling back. I was just trying to think about what that looked like and how that showed up for me. But thank you for sharing all of those signs and, and just such great research. So there's a number of listeners out there right now that you've given these different buckets and examples, and they are thinking through their organization and they're identifying, you know, Paul or Sally or John that, that maybe needs to have a conversation or something really critical is going on. I'd love for you to speak into like, what steps do you suggest people take right away sometimes in, in assessing like where toxicity and leadership is right now? And then also taking a step to impact the problem in their own backyard, but maybe even thinking, okay, maybe there's a couple of different ways to put them into buckets. If you're in this, here's what you should do. Or is there just a general, here's how you get started to get a baseline? Yeah, I think there's a couple kind of tactics you can use. And again, everyone's, you know, there's levels of toxicity and poor leadership. Not every bad leader is a toxic leader. So you kind of have to assess the situation. I think that's the first step. So a good way to do that is to, you know, look at some of the the tools that are out there around toxic leadership. We have a book chapter about it. There's articles that I've written and other people have written around this. And you can kind of get a list of some of those key behaviors, those dysfunctional behaviors. And just take an inventory. You know, you don't have to do anything or say anything. Just kind of reflect on interactions you have and, and start ticking the box and then talk to other team members and say, hey, is this, is this, am I seeing this right or is this just me? And that's something I had to do too. I, I thought I was the crazy. And I, I finally had this one conversation with somebody who was experiencing the exact same thing with the exact same leader. And I was like, you know, there's some validity to this. Um, we need to, we need to address it. So I think just taking inventory of what you're seeing, what you're feeling, and then validating that. So it's, it's more than just your feeling. Maybe you can kind of get a sense of if, if this is the normal and the understanding of the team. And then it's, what do you do about it? So if it really is toxic or, or really poor leadership, then you have you have kind of this three-tiered approach. One, the best thing to do in any conflict is really address it right out front. And that that's hard, but you, you know, it's it's a crucial conversation. So you can go up to the leader and say, hey, I'm noticing some things that I'm not comfortable with. Be very kind of specific about them, what you'd like to see different, and just kind of have that conversation. Sometimes that fixes it. You know, the leader's not aware of the, what their behaviors and actions are doing and causing in the team. You're now giving language to it. And, and now you have this dialogue that potentially can fix it. And, and that's like the best case scenario. If you have that confrontation or that confrontation actually, you know, is too scary or, or risky to your current situation, you know, the next piece is kind of gather the the team around it and give language to it and have a kind of a team confrontation. That's hard to do, but kind of group groups coming together and actually kind of validating some of these things and addressing it could have more power to influence the leader. Sometimes the, that group needs to go around the leader to maybe that leader's boss or, or someone else in the organization, an HR leader, somebody to actually talk about it and get tactics related to that. And then the last one is really, you got to leave. And I think you and I both have done that in our career. Like you kind of just cut it. And, and that's a hard choice because sometimes, you know, there's money involved with that. There's career consequences to that, but there's also health consequences. And so it's, you know, you can't 
just power through this over time. If it's a truly toxic leader, it, it just doesn't stop. It's never going to get better. And so you have to take that inventory. And so sometimes it's better to just leave and go do something different. And, and I ended up doing that as well. And it was one of the best choices I ever made. Now, there are people that can't leave a situation, whether it's financial or, or you know security or whatever it is. There's ways to deal with it. In, inside as well. And some of that is just shifting where your focus is. If if you have to be there and it's truly a, a toxic culture, you need to focus your energy on yourself, on your work, on your health, on hobbies outside of work, and, and really kind of figure out how you balance putting up with going to work, but kind of compartmentalizing that and being able to focus on other things that make you happy until you have the chance to do one of those other three interventions. Really great point to end on is I think across the board in any area, we we have to work on our self-care. That is going to help with just about any problem, especially this. If you're if you're trying to just navigate these really challenging waters, the really the only thing you can control is you. And so those self-care techniques, and we've got some different episodes on Gut Plus Science if you'd like to look those up. So uh, Dan, thanks. This was awesome. Really, really great episode. We're going to take a quick break, hear from our sponsor message today, and we'll come back to what we call our lightning round, where we'll get to learn just a little bit more about you. We'll be right back. So in our efforts to launch this healthcare sub-series on Gut Plus Science, my why is Wambi. Wambi specializes in serving the industry that needs the most support, love, and gratitude, and that's healthcare. Together with Wambi, we will be building a community of people-first healthcare leaders and influencers to make a big positive impact on patient satisfaction and overall experience of patients and families, and also engagement of the very valuable healthcare workers in this world. So visit Wambi.org to learn more and hit me up. If you want to talk about the cool partnerships we're working on at Wambi, Nikki and I, K-K-I at Wambi, W-A-M-B-I.org. It'll be in the show notes too. And I am so grateful to be part of this team and part of this movement. Many cool things to come. All right. We're back on Gut Plus Science with Dan Weber. Great episode today. We're going to launch into our lightning round, which we do every episode to learn just a little bit more about our guests. So just you know, short answers or feel free to elaborate if you'd like, Dan. What is your favorite book of all time? Or if that's too hard, what's a favorite recent read? You know, my favorite recent read is the book Endurance about uh, Captain Shackleton and how he stayed alive for 745 days in the Arctic uh, and kept all of his men alive and, and then ended up sailing a dinghy, you know, across the ocean to go get help. It, it was just, it's an amazing story about just grit, leadership, endurance. And um, I, I ate that book up in a day. How about a favorite vacation spot? Ooh, it's a tie for me. Um, Maui is just a special place for me, but I also love sailing. And so going to the British Virgin Islands and chartering a sailboat and sailing around the islands is also uh, tied close second. Favorite hobby when you're not working? Uh, sailing. I love sailboats. I love being out on the water. Uh, that's my place to reconnect. So um, would have to say uh, throwing up those sails and hitting the seas. And Dan, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? Sure. Uh, I'm active on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dr. Nurse Dan, DR Nurse Dan. And then Trusted Health uh, is the company I'm at. And you can find me there as well, trustedhealth.com. All right. And some key takeaways from Dan that I'm packaging up into our truth you can act on. I'm just going to say, use these as a mindset shift for you because they're very factual. Number one, leadership behaviors are as impactful to patient outcomes as medical errors. Number two, toxic leadership can be intentional or unintentional, but either way needs to stop. 
Number three, teams experiencing toxic leadership have a 78% burnout rate and report decreased commitment to the organization that they represent. So it's so important to make sure that daily initiatives are in place to fight burnout, doing the opposite, enabling leadership with the right mindsets and behaviors to really counteract those challenges around burnout. So with that, thanks so much for sharing, Dan. We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.